But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, this morning you have instruction, encouragement, and challenge for us in your word. I pray that you would meet us here, that you would give me the ability to communicate clearly, to communicate truth. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Sam, is the mic in my pocket causing a problem? I think it's the headset part. Oh, okay. Let me try that again. Um, let's try it and see what happens. I'm gonna I'm gonna set it up here or somewhere. Okay. Let's. Uh, if if you stop being able to hear me, somebody just wave. Okay. Um, I struggled with this passage more than usual. In fact, I, I, I texted the session this morning, and if I could have gotten to them, I would have had them anoint me with oil. Uh, a few weeks ago when Jimmy set the preaching schedule, I, I generally don't glance too far ahead, but I, at some point I glanced at this passage, and I knew that struggle was coming for me. Because I find verse 15 very difficult. Very difficult. And so what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to try to set our hearts and minds in a context where we can make sense of it. Okay? It's going to to be a little strange. I'm going to try to use a controlling metaphor to set us in a frame of mind to hear what God has to say to us in this passage. Did you know... That scientists estimate that the sun comprises 99.8% of all the matter by mass in the entire solar system. That surprises me. I mean, I knew the sun was big. If there are any astrophysicists in the room, and I messed this up, forgive my elementary illustration, okay? But that's what I read in several different places. The the stunning number, 99.8% of all the mass in our solar system is comprised within the sun. 
And that means all the planets and all their moons and every comet and every speck of space dust makes up only 0.02% of the matter in our solar system. And all that other matter is under the constant and controlling power of the sun's gravitational pull. You see, everything in our solar system is orbiting the sun. And we've all seen the pictures and the simulations of the solar system, but for just a moment, I want you to imagine with me this picture. The sun in all its brilliance and power at the center. And the planets revolving around it at various speeds and in various elliptical paths. And all these planets are also rotating on their own axis as they revolve around the sun. And as we zoom in even closer, we see the moons revolving around some of the planets. And then there are the comets, these irregular beings flung deep out into the recesses of the solar system and then eventually pulled back in by the sun's gravitational pull. Sometimes hundreds, sometimes thousands of years later. And all of it centered on one powerful focal point, one object of reference, the sun. It is a beautiful dance of order and stability. Now I hope you are all wondering at this point, what in the world does this have to do with James chapter 5? It's just this. Every moment of the Christian life is lived in the gravitational pull of Jesus Christ. Every pain, every joy, every disease, every healing, every mountaintop high and every valley of agony, no matter where your heart or your health, or your emotions are today, if you are in Christ, you are caught in the orbit of His love. The orbit of the power, the compassion, and the purpose of the Son of God. And with the superiority of the solar sun in mind, in its relation to our whole solar system, listen to this description of the Son of God from Colossians 2. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Do you see that connection? In the same way that all the things in our solar system have the sun as their reference point, every moment of the Christian life and indeed all existence have the Son of God, Jesus Christ, as their focal point. But this morning I want to focus not on Jesus' cosmic role of holding all things together, but I want to focus on His redeeming role in holding our lives together. 
Now, I want you to look back, if you've got your bulletin, I want you to look back at our confession of faith for just a moment. It's the question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism. I want you to turn there. I want you to take a deep breath and sink into your chair a minute and listen as I read this for us. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own. But I belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. And listen, He also preserves me in such a a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by His Holy Spirit, He assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for Him. Let me summarize these beautiful words. Every moment of the Christian life is lived in the gravitational pull of the Son of God. Just as the solar sun's gravity keeps the planets in their right orbits, the love and plan of God preserves your life in the path He has set for you. I've I've chosen this controlling metaphor this morning because I see something about it similar to what's happening in our text. No, I don't think James had the solar system in mind when he wrote. But there's something about this that I want us to see. I have one goal for the sermon this morning, and this is it. That as we look at these verses, we will see that Jesus Christ is the reference point for everything we experience. That there is no day so bright and no night so dark that we are not caught In the orbit of the love of God in Jesus Christ. And in these short verses, James is confronting us. He's confronting us with these four scenarios of suffering and joy and sickness and even wandering. But in all of them, we must remember in whose orbit we travel and in whose love we live and move and have our being. That's the context, okay? I want us to have that image in our mind that we are living in the gravitational pull of the love of Jesus Christ as we read these verses together. Now, let's look at the text. I'm going to spend most of my time in prayer, so don't despair if we get there for a while, okay? The first thing James says is, any one of you suffering, anyone among you suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Now again, I don't know that James meant this juxtaposition, but look at those few lines. Find the word cheerful. What is on either side of the word cheerful? Not immediately. Look, look for two opposing things. Sorrow, suffering, suffering, and sickness. Right in the midst 
of the family of God are those who are cheerful and on either side, those who are suffering and those who are sick. So the first thing I want us to see this morning is James calls those of us who are cheerful to sing praise. This is what I was alluding to as we were singing today. We were, I was singing, rise up, O you sleeper, awake. And you repeated, rise up, O you sleeper. And when I heard it, joy filled my soul. The words I was speaking were just as powerful. But when I heard them from you, something different happened to me. So the first thing we want to see from this text this morning is, if you are cheerful, come to the fellowship and sing praise. Because there are people in the room that desperately need you to sing praise when they can't. Has anyone ever experienced that? Have you ever dragged into church so beat down, so sorrowful, coming only for rote repetition or out of some feeling of of, um, obedience, only to have your spirit lifted because other people praised God for what he was doing in their lives. Friends, if you were cheerful this morning, sing praise to him. There are people all around you, the suffering and the sick, who need to hear the songs of praise sung to Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing I want to say. If you're cheerful, sing praise to him. You see, look at this. Is anyone among you suffering? What does that verse infer to us? That it's done in the the midst of community. This among you, it's it's intended, I think it's inferred in, in anyone among you cheerful. Because in verse 14 he says, is anyone among you sick? So if you're cheerful this morning, point one, if you're cheerful, sing praise to God because it's good for others. Part B, it's good for you. I think so many times we can get into this automatic feeling, especially in 21st century America, where we just expect things to go well. And then we're surprised when they don't. When in reality, every good and perfect gift comes down from God. So every moment that you have for cheerful praise, give God glory for it because it's good for others and it's good for you. And then James calls us to prayer. And and this is where I want to spend the most of our time. Um, For the sake of this time, I want to combine the suffering and the sick. Um, It's possible that James had in mind with suffering those who are suffering because of other people's sin. Uh, it's possible that with the sick, he was thinking of their, people's own sin or just sickness that comes apart from sin. But in both of these instances, James calls the church to pray. Now, I want to I read this passage again, and I want you to keep the context, the gravitational pull of the love of Jesus Christ in mind as I read. Listen now again to God's word. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 
Verse 15 is hard for me. I wonder if anyone else feels it. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. See, I think the reason that that verse is hard for some of us is this is how we paraphrase this verse. If I pray with enough faith, God will answer my prayer exactly the way I want it, exactly when I want it done, and in exactly the way I want it answered. My experience has not borne that uh, translation out. Has yours? We know that this is not what James means. We have to know it. James's verse here cannot mean, if I pray with the right kind and the right amount of faith, God will answer my prayer exactly when and how I want him to answer it. It cannot mean that. And if we, if we look at this passage this morning, and that's how we interpret verse 15, one of two things is going to happen. We're going to become disillusioned with prayer. We're going to become disillusioned with God. So I want to offer two exhibits, okay? Two exhibits that this is not what James means. Exhibit A. James does not know scores of 3,000-year-old saints walking around Jerusalem. People who just keep with the right amount of faith praying away the cancer and praying away the heart attacks and praying away old age and praying away kidney failure. See, if James meant that, there would be some who had had the amount of faith needed to pray away all those things that were coming in their life. But there are no 3,000-year-old people walking around Jerusalem. Now, you may say, that's so silly. That's ridiculous. Nobody would want to live that long anyway. Maybe so. Here's exhibit B. Paul's thorn in the flesh. Do you remember this? From 2 Corinthians. Paul says, It was given to me a thorn in the flesh, and I pleaded with God three times that it would be taken away. And God answered, my grace is sufficient for you. Are we ready to say, "Mm, if Paul had just had more faith, if he'd been more specific, God would have taken that from him. I don't think so. I don't think so. So what does James mean? What does he mean? Are we going to read these verses and are we going to be afraid to pray or are we going to be encouraged to pray? Which is it going to be? The first thing I want to say is this. Sometimes God heals and answers prayer the way we ask approximately in the time frame that we ask it. It's clear that James intends for people to approach the session and be prayed for. Let me ask a quick question, okay? How many people in this room, by a show of hands, have ever been sick? Right at 100%. How many of us have ever called to the elders and asked them to anoint us with oil and pray for us? A couple. Now, I do not ask that question in any sort of accusatory manner. I ask it diagnostically. 
You see, James is giving us a command here. If you're sick, go to the elders, have them pray for you, anoint you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and ask for healing. So why don't we do that? I think, I just, I don't know. I think we're afraid, perhaps. I think we're afraid to be let down. We're afraid to lean in and trust God, and then maybe He doesn't answer the way we want Him to. You see, there's something I want us to notice about this passage. If any one of you is suffering, let him pray to whom? God. If anyone is cheerful, let him sing praise to whom? To God. If anyone among you is sick, let him call the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of who? The Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick and who the Lord will raise him up. And even 19, even down in verse 19, which we haven't talked about. If anyone goes and brings a sinner back to whom? To the Lord. You see, in this whole passage, the reference point of all that James is calling us to do is God himself. He is the one who's holding all things together for us. And so sometimes we will pray to God and He will heal in the way we want. Sometimes in about the time frame that we want. But sometimes He won't. But this verse is true. Do you know how I know? If you, if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, and it's around verse 30, 9 and 40. Listen to these words by Jesus. Starting with verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none, all he that he has given me, but I will raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Friends, this verse is true. And there may be many times in your life on this side of glory when you pray to God and the elders anoint you with oil and in God's providence He heals the way you want and the timing that you want. But there will come some day when He gives you a better healing. And in the end, he will heal the one who prays to him in faith. And he will raise them up perfectly and finally. So my encouragement to us this morning regarding prayer, one, obey James. If you're suffering, come to God in prayer. If you're sick, 
Call on our elders. Where are the elders in our, in our congregation this morning? Nink, Jimmy, Dave, Richard, almost. You're raising up. David, David, look. You have olive oil at your office probably, don't you? You got too much of it left, don't you? Listen, see your doctors. Take the medicine they prescribe. Have the elders pray for you and anoint you with oil in the name of Jesus Christ for healing. Sometimes God will answer that prayer exactly the way we want. And when he doesn't, you are still in that gravitational pull of Jesus Christ. You are not outside the will of God when the answer seems to be no. Or seems to be not yet. Or seems to be not in that way. The hope of prayer is in the one in whom we pray to. We trust Jesus that that, that, that orbit that we're in is the right one. And that even the suffering is from him. And that he is good. And so pray to him and rest in his answer. That sounds like I think it's easy. I don't. I don't think it's easy. But that's what James is calling us to do. And finally, I want to close with this. And I, Look down at verse 19. My brothers, if any one of you, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Do you know the only thing that can pull one of our planets away from our sun is an object of a greater gravity? That's it. If something were to pass close enough to our solar system that had a greater gravity than our sun, it might be able to pull the earth out of its orbit. I want to say this to you this morning. I'm going to use myself as an example. If you ever see me turning my gaze towards something that seems to me to have a greater gravity than Jesus Christ, come and get me. If I ever wander from this truth, come and get me. Bring me back and remind me of the gospel that I preached. Remind me in whose orbit I belong. Remind me who has the words of eternal life. And we're called to do that for anyone if anyone among you wanders from the truth, we as a church are called to bring them back. To, to remind them that the reference point of hope is in none other than Jesus Christ. Whether suffering or cheerfulness or sickness or wandering, Jesus Christ is the center. And it's in Him that we have hope. It's in Him that we have the hope of prayer, the hope of healing, the hope of salvation, and the hope of rescue. We've struggled a lot in our family for the last couple of months. Some of you know about some health uh, issues that we're having. Um, I've prayed more 
in the last two months than I've probably ever prayed in my entire life. And God has not answered every prayer in the time that I wanted it answered. And he has not answered it in exactly the way that I wanted them answered. But you know what? I think for the first time in my life, I'm praying with confidence. Not that God is going to give me exactly what I want, but that I am safe and my loved ones are safe in his hands. And that the orbit that he has them on is right. And that someday, in his timing, that prayer for healing is going to come and Jesus Christ is going to raise that person up. And I'm starting to pray with confidence because of who Jesus is, not because of the answers that come. So I want to encourage us all this morning with these simple words of trust the Lord in prayer. Trust Him with His timing, with His answers, because His love is good. His timing is perfect. And His gravitational pull is not going to let go of you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. I, I, I do. I have struggled, Lord, you know, this week with these verses on prayer. I have seen, uh, for years, I've seen prayer as some manipulation that I couldn't figure out, some sequence that I couldn't get right, some formula that I was missing a variable. But Father, I know that now that prayer uh, is, is not a manipulation It's a coming to a God who loves us. I just pray that you would give each of us in this room today confidence that we can come to you hoping and expecting healing in whatever way you offer it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.